Okay. Hi, my name is Anna. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm really excited that I get to sit. <laughs> I was really excited about that. I hate standing for an hour. Um, but um, I've been sober since September 11th, 2015. Um, that is thanks to a program of action outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, doing a bunch of stuff I really didn't want to do, and both sides of sponsorship. Um, and I, I'm really, really grateful to be here today. And um, if the pandemic alone has taught me anything, it's that, you know, what's what's always been true, but that I I, I can lose sight of a lot of the time is that when I when I'm coming to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm fighting for my life. Um, when I'm coming to a meeting of AA, I am, I am here so that I don't have to drink anymore. Um, and I am here because for me to drink is to die. And whether or not that's a spiritual death or that's a physical death, I don't know which is going to come first, but it's not going to be pretty. Um, and I, I just could not be more grateful that I stumbled into the rooms 10 years ago um, and stumbled in for the last time and stayed five years ago. Um, I will start at the beginning because I believe I was an alcoholic out of the womb. Um, I was so funny. I was just eating dinner with my dad um, and he was like, do you remember what you used to do when you were a baby and you didn't want to go to sleep? And I was like, yes, I do. I tell, I, I talk about it at AA meetings because it's such an example of my alcoholism before I even knew what alcohol was or could even speak. Um, when I didn't want to go to sleep, uh, my parents would put me in my crib and I would stick my baby fingers down my throat, make myself throw up, make it so that my parents had to come pick me up and I would like go play with my toys and have fun and they would have to clean it up and I would get to stay up an hour later. Um, so from the very beginning, I have been an extreme example of self-will run riot, an extreme example of self-will run riot. Um, I have been trying to change the way I feel since the second I was born. I have been trying to change the way I feel the second I was born. Um, you know, and I, I found a few things that 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 worked-ish, um, but, but nothing like the way alcohol and outside issues as well, which are a part of my story, nothing like the way those worked for me. Um, I, I've heard people talk about, you know, th this program isn't for people necessarily whose problem is alcohol. Um, this program is for people whose solution is alcohol. Um, and that is what I found um, in the bottle and the pipe and all of that stuff. It was the solution. I just, I could breathe all the way in and all the way out. I could look you in the eye. I was okay. Um, so no wonder it got its hook set so deep because all of a sudden I was okay. Um, but anyway, going back a little bit, I, um, growing up, I was just kind of like, I was just kind of always in trouble um, you know, like on every report card I ever got, it was like, does not follow directions, um, which I, I got similar feedback from my sponsor um, when I first started working the steps. So that's interesting. But yeah, just, what, what doesn't follow directions, speaks out of turn, tries to steal attention when other stuff is going on. Um, you know, and I, I really, I saw that, but I couldn't stop it. You know what I mean? Like I was pretty, I was a self-aware kid. Like I saw that I was a little like, Ooh, okay. She's not okay. But like, I couldn't do anything about it. Um, and it was always, I always felt really out of control and it was kind of scary. Um, anyway, so the first time I got drunk was when I was 13. 
Um, like I said, just kind of was a weird kid. Didn't like, I was always like obsessed with boys and they were always like, okay, honey, you know? Um, and like that just, I wanted to change the way I felt with that and that wasn't working. But anyway, we go to Mexico with our family friends. Um, and one of our family friends, she's like blonde and tan and beautiful and like three years older than me. Um, and she's super cool. And she's like, we're going to get drunk tonight. And I was like, okay. Um, and so we, we proceeded to get really drunk, um, like margaritas and stuff like that. I don't really remember. I just remember that all of a sudden I had arrived. Um, I remember I was prettier. I remember all of a sudden I was thinner. I was funnier. Um, and these boys seemed to like me all of a sudden. And that was cool. Um, and, you know, there was a line that I crossed that first night that I got drunk. Um, I, I couldn't tell you when it was, but I lost control of my actions. I lost control of the amount that I took. Um, I, and honestly, I scared the shit out of myself. Um, I fooled around with a boy that was way, way too old for me. Um, I embarrassed myself. I, it, it was just a gross. It was a gross feeling when I woke up. You know, I didn't like it. I was like, that's not cool. I really just didn't feel good about it. Um, so I wake up the next morning and I'm like, you know what? I don't think it's for me. Alcohol is not for me. I'm not going to drink anymore. That was not fun. Like it, I don't think that's for me. I'm just not going to do it anymore. Well, the next night I did the same exact thing. And I, I just couldn't really figure out why. Like, I was just like, I thought I was like very clear this morning that I did not want to do this again. Um, but here I am doing the same thing. And it was really, it was confusing. I just, I really didn't understand. I was 13, you know? Um, so we, we go home from our trip. I go back to like, you know, doing what 13, 14 year olds do. I was really big into theater, which I loved. It was all consuming. The attention was on me. I got to wear cool outfits and makeup and all that shit. And I loved it. Um, uh, then I, I found my first love who was a person actually. Um, but we fell in love and it was like all fun and romantic and just like so dramatic. We're going to run away together, get married, blah, blah, blah. I'm 16. Um, but that is when, you know, that relationship started to get a little bit boring, you know, as like first love fizzles out. Um, but then we started drinking and doing drugs. And all of a sudden the relationship was awesome again. It was so much fun. Everything was exciting. Everything was new. I, I was, I was funny again. I was pretty again, all the same things. Um, you know, that went on. I ended up, um, really just kind of getting pretty out of control with alcohol, very much just like drinking and driving a lot. Um, my parents were concerned because I was like drinking alone in my bedroom and talking to strangers on the internet like 17 year olds do. They were, they were really concerned about that for some reason. They were like, and not like in a, not like in a, you're in trouble way, but like, are you okay? Like what's going on? And I couldn't tell them. I was just like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, and, you know, through, through a series of events, they ended up, I couldn't stop drinking and driving. Like, I literally, I, you think it'd be easy, like, just don't drive. Um, I couldn't stop doing it. I just kept drinking and driving until my parents were like, we're putting a breathalyzer on your car. And they did. Um, I still couldn't stop drinking and driving. I had a breathalyzer on my car. Couldn't stop. 
Um, and you know, I came home one night after getting drunk at a party. It was the summer before my senior year of high school. And my dad said, I think you have a problem, honey. And I was like, like an alcohol problem? Like, what do you mean? Um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, like an alcohol problem. Um, and you know, I, I was pretty desperate that night. I had made a fool of myself again. I was embarrassed again. I was just kind of done. Um, and my dad and my mom had driven past the sign outside of Allendale that says AA noon. And they had driven past it to drop me at school for years. They knew exactly where it was. So on the first day of the summer before my senior year, my dad dropped me at an AA meeting. Um, I did not know what it meant to be powerless. I did not know what it meant to have my life be unmanageable. I didn't know shit about alcoholism, but I finally just felt love and like it permeated and y'all just, I loved the way you loved me and I could, I was like, I don't want to leave. Like, I don't know if I'm like an alcoholic, but I don't want to leave. Um, I got in there and this woman, Rusty, who uh, a lot of my Allendale friends here know, she greeted me at the door and she said, you are the most important person in this room. And I was like, finally, someone gets it. Like, God, I've been waiting for this. Um, the funny thing, I, don't, I didn't stay the most important person in the room. Um, you know, I, I love that about Alcoholics Anonymous, that the, the person with the least amount of time, the person who is struggling the most, they are the most important person in the room. And I love that. Um, but anyway, I, I, I stayed. I can't really tell you why I stayed. I didn't work a step. I did get a sponsor, but she was just like, I don't know what to do with you. Um, cause I wouldn't do anything. Um, but I stuck around. I, I went to YPA, I went to conferences and I was doing all the same crap that I was doing when I was drinking and using, but I was not drinking and using now. I was still stealing stuff. I was still acting promiscuous ways that felt uncomfortable for me. I was still doing all the same stuff. Um, but I, I stayed sober my entire senior year of high school and I wouldn't shut up about it either. I thought it, I was like, I am sober actually. So <laughs> like it, it was not cute. Um, but so anyway, the end of my senior year, I met this guy, um, and he was an AA. He was sober for longer than me. He was, um, he had friends. He just like seemed like he knew what he was talking about. You know what I mean? Those people that you're like, you, you know how to person, you know how to be a person. Um, and I was like, I like that about you. <laughs> Show me, you know? Um, and so we started dating. He was quite a bit older than me. Um, but I was 18 <laughs> sensing a theme. Um, but so we started dating. I graduated high school. Um, we moved in together um, very much like playing house, you know, we got dogs and we got, you know, a couch from rooms to go and we would make food and, you know, we did all the things. Um, I think from the moment we moved in together, not one of us went to a meeting. Um, I think a dog ate one of the big books and no one did anything about it. It was just like, oh, that's gone. Today, if my dog ate my big book, I'd be like, <gasps> like oh, I'd be so upset, um, but I didn't care. And so eventually, um, well, I should also weave in, 
Um, I have loved horses my entire life. Um, I have ridden my entire life. Um, they're a very huge part of my life. Um, at this point, I think it, so I'm living with Clark. He starts drinking. I start drinking. And I literally, like you talk about drinking at someone, like I literally took, took wine and drank at him. Like I drank at him, like physically. Like, you see what you're making me do? Like, and I was like, this is a beautiful beginning to a healthy relationship with alcohol. I can feel it. Like, I just, I really was confident moving into that, um, which is hilarious. But y'all, that went bad really quickly. You know, um, it went bad really, really quickly. And I saw, you know, the, the life my parents had tried to give me. I saw... Um, the values they had tried to instill in me. I, I saw who I thought I could be one day. I saw her just like withering. Um, and it, it terrified me. And I saw this guy that I always thought kind of had his shit together. Um, I saw him get really sick. Um, and it was really scary to watch. Um, he got really mean. He got really, uh, just was doing weird shit you know, like we, we go a little crazy. We go, we're, we're crazy. You know, um, what, what was unfortunate other than the fact that I I hate that he had to go through that is I was like, well, I'm not like that. Like, come on now. Um, throughout my drinking, I, I made honor roll in college. I, um, got a lot of awards competing with my horses. I very much, looked okay on the outside, but I was completely dead on the inside and I was not okay. Um, so anyway, this, it all culminated in basically this, this man that I lived with for two years. Um, one night he had a psychotic break. Um, and this is my perception of what happened that night. I'm sure if, if, if you heard his version of this story, it would be very different, but this is my perception and that's all I can offer you. Um, but he very clearly was like, um, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill the dogs. Um, you're going to die. And I just, it was like everything. I was just like, this is my life. Like, this is the life I have right now. Like, this is my life. Um, this is where I'm at. This is, you know, this is the situation I have put myself in. This is, you know, I am 21 years old and in like, what is essentially an abusive marriage. And I don't know how I got here. Um, what ended up happening was a really long physical fight for my life to get out of that house. Um, cops coming, you know, all that stuff. All of a sudden my life just exploded that night. Um, and he got, he, he tried to assault the cops. So he went to jail. Um, that it was just, it was, it was bad. You know, it was really bad. And I thought, what a great excuse to go off the deep end and party. This is great. Like perfect. Like time to be a victim. Let's go. Um, so I, so (laughs) I got sober when I was 17. By the time I was not sober at 21, Tinder was a thing. So I woke up 21 years old, not sober anymore, really damaged, um, and with Tinder. So I just basically for a whole summer went out on Tinder dates and got free drinks. 
um, got myself in really dangerous situations, um, put myself in really uncomfortable positions where I would say, I'm not going to do that again. That felt really unsafe. And then I would be back in the same position the next night. Um, and the, the thing about alcoholism and the thing about alcohol and what it does to me is when I was 17 and I couldn't control the amount that I took, I, that that's the physical allergy. I was like, cool, I shouldn't drink. But the real problem of this disease centers in my mind that this time it's going to be different. This time I'm going to drink like a lady. This time it'll be different because this. This time I'm going to drink this way. This time I'm going to have this plan set in action. That, that, that obsession of the mind, you know, I, I think whether we're high bottom drunks or low bottom drunks, we all, get, we all get drunk the same way. And that's believing something that's not true, that I can drink, I can do this. Um, and, you know, I, I, that summer, I just kept doing that, kept doing that and really thought I was changing my mind each day when I went back out again. You know, when I went back out to the bar, to, to the Tinder date, whatever it was, I really, really honest to God thought I was changing my mind. And that's what's cunning, baffling and powerful about alcohol is I wasn't changing my mind. Alcohol was changing my mind. Once it got in my system, I lost complete control over what was going to happen. And something that's interesting to note about that as well is, you know, some nights like in my drinking career, not at the end, but like in my drinking career, some nights I would have a few and go home and be safe. Um, the, the thing was, I couldn't tell you which night it was going to be. I couldn't tell you if it was going to be the night where I went home and passed out on the couch watching The Office, which is also not a great, <laughs> it's not great, but it's not dangerous, you know, um, or if I was going to end up under a bridge with a stranger. I, I couldn't tell you. Alcohol was calling the shots. And that is when I really realized what it was to be powerless over alcohol. Um, that summer, I got a DWI. Um, got, you know, pulled over, taken out of the car, um, really thought I was just killing the sobriety test. Really thought I was like these idiots. They have no idea. Um, they arrested me, took me to jail. Um, I did not like that. I did not do well in jail. I was freaking the fuck out. I was like screaming. I was like, I'm going to kill myself. You don't let me out. Like I was a nightmare. Um, and they finally, you know, they, they were like, all right, all right, we'll let you out, you know, 12 hours later. Um, and that sobered me up for about three months. Um, it sobered me up for about three months. Um, what ended up happening at that point was up until that point, I didn't realize, but I was really making, um, I was making my parents my higher power. I really wanted them to think I was okay. I really wanted them to be proud of me. I really wanted to live up to who they thought I could be. And what ended up happening was my parents um, let us know that they were getting a divorce. Um, and again, it felt like my whole life was completely exploding. I, I couldn't believe it. And I, I, I was like, if y'all can do whatever the, whatever the F you want, I can do whatever the F I want. And so I deliberately went out to continue drinking and to just see, just see what I could get away with. Like, I knew it wasn't going to be okay, but I was like, let's see how long this, this we can do this, you know? Um, so to back up a little bit, I had, um, I, th like the week that I had started drinking, this horse came into my life. Um, I know you're like, oh, you're a horse girl. Great. Um, <laughs> but she is absolutely everything. Um, her name is Hope, and she came into my life um, kind of out of nowhere. Um, 
and she just completely saved me. <laughs> Sorry, I get really emotional when I talk about her. I can talk about anything and not cry when I talk about her, I cry. Um, but what happened was like during all of that craziness, like the only time that I was okay, the only time I didn't need alcohol um, was when I was with her, when we were competing, when we were, it's like, if you've ever ridden a horse, it's like two minds, one heart. And it's just this rhythm and this like excitement and the jumping and the motion. And the, it was just, it was intoxicating. Um, and she was intoxicating this horse. She just is absolutely everything. Um, and what happened is I always told myself if I ever got drunk or high and I got on a horse, um, I would be done. That'd be it. That is the limit. <laughs> I can drive drunk all that all I want, but if I get on a horse, it's over. Um, and so there was this one day, it was a competition. I woke up in the morning and I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't do it. Um, and I reached from uh, to my bedside table for an outside issue, did a little bit of it, got up, brushed my teeth, did a little bit more, you know, put my clothes on, did a little bit more. By the time I got to the horse show and was getting ready to ride, I was pretty not, you know, I was pretty gone. Um, got on this gorgeous, gorgeous animal. Um, and that, that's the thing about horses is that that's that clear pathway between you and them. That's just that communication. And it was completely blocked because I was not sober. I was, I was, I was high. Um, and she just, I mean, it was like the most dangerous messed up gross like ugh. and it just felt awful um and it it was just this really dangerous round where my horse was like what are you doing um my trainer was like what are you doing um instead of saying oh my god I'm high I should not ride I got on my other horse um went into the jumper ring which is really fast really big jumps um and he is like an old, he's like this kind of grumpy old man who does his job, but he's not going to put up with shit. So he goes up to the first jump and just dumps me into the jump. was like, I'm out. <laughs> you're like, you, you do it yourself, lady. Like you're crazy. If you think I'm taking you around that when you're drunk or high. Um, so, so I, I basically, I essentially, I crashed this horse and thank God the horse was fine. Thank God hope was fine. Um, thank God I didn't hurt an innocent animal, but something about that, um, something about putting her in jeopardy. Um, I, I was, I, I, I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I, I called my dad immediately. Um, and he came to Tyler, Texas and got me. And a week later I was in treatment. Um, and I checked into treatment on September 11th, 2015. Um, and I was not happy about it. <laughs> you know, um, a week had gone by, so my ego had completely redeveloped and I was completely just like, this was an overreaction. Like, this is ridiculous. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know? Um, and it was just Anna in treatment, man. She was a trip. Um, everyone, you know, no one can have a phone. And I truly thought that like applied to everybody but me. I was like, yeah, but I can have a phone. Like, like, do you know who I am? They were like, no. Like, <laughs> we don't know who you are, and no one gets a phone. Um, and I just very quickly got, got brought down a few pegs. You know, I, I slept in this twin-size bed that felt like cardboard. I got up at 8 a.m. and went to the dining hall. I, all of these things. 
Um, you know, I just, I was really, really not okay. And I, you know, going to treatment is not part of everyone's story. You can absolutely get sober in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. That is completely possible. Um, for me, I had to be physically, physically separated. Um, I had to, I had to go through those up and down waves of like, I can't do it. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. I'm going to sign an AMA and just leave and blah, blah. And then be like, okay, I think I can do this. I think I could like, I had to have that safe place to kind of have those peaks and crashes. Um, and I'm really grateful that I got that. Um, what ended up happening is I was just really not convinced that I wanted to be there. I was not convinced that sobriety was for me. Um, but there was this AA meeting that got brought there on Tuesday nights and this guy, his name is TC. And when I was 17, this guy used to just, he would talk about alcoholism and talk about the solution in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I just like, you know, when you hear someone and you just truly hear them and like, you start going, mm, mm, and you're like, I don't know why I'm making that noise, but I am like, mm, mm. you know, he was just like that for me always. Um, and anyway, that was in Austin. This is in Houston on our treatment center, like seven, eight years later. And these people are bringing AA meetings in. And this guy is talking. He's talking about how when he got drunk and when he got high, he just felt plugged in and that he couldn't get away from he couldn't get away from chasing that. And I was like, yeah, 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 that's me. That's me. Um, he was also wearing Pooh Bear shoes. So I really liked that. Um, but he, <laughs> I went up to him after the meeting. I was like, thank you for what you said. Like, I really related to that. You know, like I just really jived with that. Um, and he was like, you don't, you don't remember me, do you? And I was like, no, <laughs> I do not. Um, and he was like, my name's TC. I was at your first meeting ever when you were 17 years old. Um, and I just, every that icy intellectual mountain that Bill talks about in his story just kind of like melted away because I realized that like I couldn't make that up I couldn't write that I couldn't think of that I, I didn't remember that guy but, but like then of course as soon as he said it I was like oh my god yeah of course but like I can't make that up and something about him being there someone that I've always been able to hear showing up to bring a meeting to a psych hospital in a different city like eight years later I was like, I surrendered. I just was like, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do what y'all say. I don't care. I'll do what y'all say. I can't make that up. Um, and I remember I called, my, I called my mom that night from treatment. And I told her about what happened. And she's like, you sound different. And I was like, I think I just like had a new resolve, a new resolve to like live. Um, anyway, I got out of treatment. Um, and I got a sponsor. Actually, that's really funny is the night I got out of treatment, I came to Bolden. Um, and I was so scared to be out of treatment, but I was at Bolden. Um, and I love Bolden. I've always loved Bolden. Um, but so I got a sponsor. And the sponsor I got was mean. She was so mean. Oh, my God. I just, she was like, I'm going to be the first person to tell you you're not effing special. Um, I don't care about what you're feeling. I care about what you're doing and, like, all this stuff. And I was like, <gasps> like, I just couldn't believe she was saying these things to me. Um, and you know what? It was exactly what I needed. It was exactly what I needed. Um, I couldn't lie to her. She didn't think I was cute. She didn't think I was funny. She just wanted to know what I was doing to get and stay sober. Um, and 
she, that woman saved my life. Um, she completely saved my life. And, you know, we worked one, two, and three, um, and we got through four and five, I think, but then she had a, she, she actually had her own medical issue come up. And so we couldn't work together any longer, but I would have worked with her forever. She was so freaking fantastic. Um, but, but I got another sponsor and, you know, one, I am, my life is unmanageable. I am powerless over alcohol. Figured that out when I was 17. Didn't get the whole, didn't really sink in until I was about 22, but you know, here we are. Um, and then that, that step two, that first of all, recognizing that I'm insane, therefore someone needs to restore me to sanity. Um, because I believe something over and over again, that is not true. That is insane. Um, I believe that I can drink successfully over and over again, and it's not true. Um, and you know, when I got here, I didn't really believe in a higher power, but I looked at my sponsor and I believed that she believed. Um, and if you're new here and you're having an issue with the God thing, that is all you need. Like I looked around the room and I was like, I don't think all these people are lying to me about the fact that they believe in something bigger. Like if they are, that's like, they're, they're working really hard at it. <laughs> like, you know? Um, and, and so I just, that's how I started. I believed that you believed. Um, and step three was just, I made a decision to work the steps. I made a decision to, to go on that, that, that life or death errand, that, that personal house cleaning that, you know, talks about in <laughs> on awakening, like the, we allow God to discipline us and all that. And when I saw that, I was like, yikes, like, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it makes me very uncomfortable. Um, and you know, I, I was done though, you know, and that is why step one is so important because unless I am done, unless I am at the last house on the block, I am not willing to do this shit. It's hard. It's really, really, really hard. I'm not willing to go there unless I truly believe my life depends on it. And that is why step one is so important. Um, so I, I, wrote, I wrote out that inventory. Um, I, I saw really yucky patterns about myself. They became even yuckier when my sponsor pointed out what she saw. Um, you know, um, and I really thought like some of what I was going to say to her would just be absolutely shocking, but it wasn't. Um, she was like, okay, next, 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 you know, um, six and seven, she had me write out a, a list of my defects, um, and then write out the opposite of them and, and try to practice those in my day to day life, practice the opposite of my defects and bring those spiritual principles into my life. Um, eight made a list of all the people I had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And, um, you know, that what's crazy about amends is like, I make those amends, you know, I make those direct amends. I, but the story I like to tell with this is with my sister. Um, she's somebody who I just completely overshadowed her entire childhood. Like, like, how do you apologize for that? You know what I mean? Like, I'm so sorry. I ruined your whole childhood, you know? Um, and you know, I made amends to her like directly and, and we were friends after that. Like we were, we were fine. We were good. Um, but it wasn't until a family therapy session about four years later, um, where the therapist, she, it was just a session with me and my sister. And she looked at me and she asked like, when did you notice your sister was struggling? Like, when did you notice she was struggling with depression and anxiety? And I almost lied. 
I almost like made something up. Oh, you know, it was when blah, 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 blah. But like something in me was like, tell the truth, man. Um, and I looked at her and I looked at my sister. And I said, honestly, I have no idea. I had, I have no idea what anything that happened in your childhood. I was completely absorbed in my own shit. I have no idea how to answer that question. Um, my sister looked at me and she was like, honestly, that's the most healing thing you could have ever said. Um, so four years after making a direct amends to my sister, God just put like this beautiful bow on it. Um, and I can't, again, I can't make that up, you know. Um, 10, I just, I have to, I have to, it's a daily manifestation of steps four through nine. It's spiritual Drano. I need to remain unblocked because, you know, I like to think that I do all of this stuff in AA and I'm rewarded with sobriety. I'm like struck sober because I'm good at AA or whatever, but that's not how it is at all. What I'm doing is I'm clearing this pathway between me and something that's greater than myself. And that thing is going to keep me sober. And, you know, I call that thing God because it's one syllable. It's three letters. It's super easy. But if you ask me to define it for you, I couldn't. Um, and, you know, prayer and meditation has looked extremely different throughout my entire sobriety. You know, sometimes sometimes it was yeah, sitting there for 20 minutes. Like, I could not, I don't know how I did that. For a while, I, like, would meditate for, like, 20 minutes. And now it's, like, I do, like, I, I journal, I write a letter to God. Like, I, it just has ebbed and flowed very naturally, my step 11 practice. And um, continuing to, to do that nightly review and that reflection and that, you know, starting my day. Um, with spiritual principles. Um, but man, step 12 is where my life just completely exploded in the best way. <laughs> like I've talked about my life exploding in terrible ways. And this was just, I mean, the first time I sat down with a woman and started going through this book, it just made sense. I was like, oh my God, it's not about me. I, I really thought it was, but it just wasn't. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I went through all of this did all of these steps so now I could give it away and that's what it's about like I truly did I it blew my mind um and when I listened to my first fifth step I just it just completely rocked my world man um and now when people are about to do a fifth step I'm just like are you ready to get free like let's go and they're like uh um but I just get I get so excited um you know when I when I got a year sober I was very much like okay, I'm ready for my boyfriend. Like, where is he, God? Um, and God was like, here's three women to work with. Here are three sponsees instead. Um, that's exactly just what I needed. It's exactly what set my heart on fire. And Alcoholics Anonymous, I've learned um, how to truly love another person. Um, and, and, you know, I think it doesn't get done by us. It gets done through us. Um, I, I heard a speaker say, we are not the well, we are the pipe. And, you know, in AA, when I started to love you guys the way I had felt you love me back when I was 17 and I didn't really understand it, but I loved it. I realized that's what being loved through is something greater than us is loving each other through us. And I was loved through for the first time. And it just, my whole world exploded. Um, the last thing, I don't have that much time left, but so Hope, my horse. Um, I was at a horse show in sobriety. We ended up continuing to compete together, do very well together, had a blast. Um, 
she's actually retired now and the best gift of my life has been my living amends to that horse because you can't make a verbal amends to a horse they don't talk english i don't know if you knew that but they, they won't understand you but um so i truly got to learn what a living amends was with my behavior and how i showed up and how i loved her and how i cared for her and her retiring this year and just getting fat and happy and just hanging out with her singing her songs and reading books and just really giving back to her everything that she gave to me because I truly believe I wouldn't be here if I didn't have her to to, to look forward to every day I really don't think I would have made it um and so uh, but anyway at a horse show this woman who used to own Hope came up to me and I always liked her but she was like are you a friend of Bill and I was like uh-huh <laughs> And she was like, I've been sober for 20 years. Um, I needed to sell this horse because I was going through a really bad divorce. And when y'all bought it, it got me through that, got, bought her, it got me through that divorce. And, and this is a God horse. And I just wept. I just, I, <laughs> like, I just, I, like, I couldn't. Um, and, you know, I just, I'm so grateful. God really kind of talks to me and communicates with me through animals and nature. And that's why I love this this meeting you know this beautiful tree with these lights and all of this it's it's really special um and you know i've i've really gotten to grow up in public in aa i've gotten to start a career um i've gotten to be in a beautiful healthy relationship i've gotten to do all these things but the true miracle in my life is that i don't wake up anymore and want to die um that was the psychic change for me. we talk about a spiritual experience that shift in feeling and outlook the first day I woke up and I didn't want to die, I, I was just like, what is happening? Like, I, it, I couldn't believe it. I didn't want to not be here anymore. Um, and that's what Alcoholics Anonymous has given me, is that I get to be among the living and I get to walk shoulder to shoulder with you guys. Um, and I just, God, I love being an AA man. I'm like an AA fangirl. I just... We are so lucky to be sitting here, especially with everything that's going on in the world. Whenever you get to an AA meeting, you have hit the freaking jackpot. Um, and, and we forget that, you know, I, I forget that. I don't want to go to this meeting. Oh, sponsor is calling. Oh my God. Blah, 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 blah. I am so lucky I get to pick up the phone. I'm so lucky I get to be here tonight with you guys. Um, I'm so lucky that God has kept me sober this long. Um, and it's 8.49, so I think I'm going to stop there. Thank you.